and unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect Dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas, having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good morning, Berkeley Zen Center Sangha. Uh, it gives me a great pleasure to introduce my old friend and Dharma sister from many years ago, Mary Mosin. Mary grew up in Los Angeles and went to Cal and Hastings Law School. She practiced union side labor law for years. Once beginning her Zen practice at BZC in March 1987, Sojin Roshi became her teacher soon thereafter. Maylee Scott was her practice leader and eventually a very close friend. Mary went to Tassajara in 1990 and stayed for four years. Sojin Roshi ordained her in 1994 and she was Shuso at Tassajara in 1998 with Norman Fisher. She lived mostly at City Center and then left in 1999 to found the Vallejo Zen Center and received Dharma transmission from Sojin Roshi in 2005. Mary offers workshops for attorneys and leads a sitting group for lawyers as well. She says, I encourage them to be able to see what is instead of some narrow view. Please welcome Mary, our guest lecturer today. Thank you, Mary. Good morning. First off, let's see, happy Happy Easter, good Pesach, happy Passover, happy uh, Persian New Year, which is Naruz, happy spring equinox, happy Buddha's birthday, happy spring, <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, I may be wrong, I think it's Ramadan, but Ramadan doesn't it doesn't, it, 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 the, the, the timing of it moves a lot. So it's not, these others, I, I, I think, including Buddha's birthday, are rituals to honor the changing of the seasons and the fact that uh, things are green and flowering and so on. And even though the days started getting longer in December, you can really feel it now. It is, it is a time of, of joy, and it's really important to let that in. Don't forget. There's a poem which I will not read. You're welcome to read it. It's easy to find by Billy Collins. And it's called A Building With Its Face Blown Off. And it was written quite a while ago, and it's probably an image that he saw from the Middle East. And it's rough. And I talked about it last week, and so I'm not going to do it again. As somebody said, that poem is brutal. But I want to point out something that I didn't talk about last week, which is at the end, I'm giving something away, actually. Spoiler alert. It ends with an image of a couple having a picnic, a man pouring two glasses far away, a man pouring, pouring wine, and a woman opening a picnic hamper that has bread, bread and cheese and olives. And the first take might be, yeah, that's the privileged white people in Marin, or whatever. Which it may, may, I mean, one of the wonderful things about poems is that they can be, they don't, it doesn't have to have like one meaning. So that, okay. And it's also, though, I think, a reminder to us to include joy and include time to recreate, to recreate. And, not but, but and, this is a really, really hard time, particularly Ukraine. 
but also COVID and inflation and supply chain problems and attacks on the ability of people to vote and abortion. Or I'd say women's right to control their own bodies. Anyway, it's a hard time. It's a hard time. And the question for us is how do we, how do we practice with this? How do we practice with this? And equanimity is important. And it doesn't start with blankness. One of my favorite definitions of Zazen is from Uchiyama Roshi. He, he, I guess it's in one of his books. And he says, he says, he says, is this Zazen? No, this is Zazen. This is the reality of our lives. This, I'm saying this, he didn't say, I don't think he said this, I don't remember, but I think that that's what he meant. This is being dead or maybe stuck in emptiness. That's not our practice. I've been thinking about a koan from the Blue Cliff Record. Uh, a koan is, an, well, it's any teaching story, I suppose, but uh, particularly in a formal sense, they're collections of koans of teaching stories from, uh, from ancient China. And this collection was, uh, it was the there, but it was sort of compiled and and comments uh, com not comments but uh, poems written by Shuido. Uh, uh, the Japanese call him Secho. And the koan is, and the, when I say teaching stories, I mean they're they're things that are meant to get past your thinking mind. Right? They, they go to your gut and your heart, and often the first time you, you hear one read or you read one, you think, what the hell is that? And this one is, I think, more a little more accessible. It's famous, I'm sure most of you have heard it before. Master Ma is unwell. Awesome. Great Master Ma was unwell. The temporal superintendent asked him, teacher, how, is your, how has your venerable health been in recent days? The great master said, sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. How are you? How have you been? He was ill. So the uh, superintendent asked him how he was and his response was, sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. A sun-faced Buddha lasts for 1,800 years, and a moon-faced Buddha lasts for one day and one night. I think, to, uh, to some extent, it's about equanimity. You know, he was probably on his deathbed. And there's a lot more to it. And it's, it's a useful one to, to, to sit with. Because as I say, it's not about kind of sinking into some, uh, I say sometimes getting lost in emptiness, you know, and saying to yourself, well, living, dying, they're both, they're the same thing. And there's just oneness and there's only is and i don't really have a self so you don't really have a self so it's okay well it's not okay he's dying i mean it may be okay with him i don't know i didn't never met him but i don't think it's going to be okay with me i think that uh, sojin roshi handled it extremely well 
and I, and I think it wasn't okay with him. But what I want to really talk about is the, the verse that Suedo also wrote. In this particular volume of uh, the Blue Cliff Record, there are, there are, the Yuan Wu later wrote a lot of commentary and, and he would pick apart the verse that Suedo wrote and, and it's interspersed. So it's very hard to read the poem out of this book or I find it difficult. So I wrote it out and also that's a good, it's a good exercise when you're working at coming to terms with something. So here's the poem. Sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. What kind of people were the ancient emperors? For 20 years, I have suffered bitterly. How many times have I gone down into the blue dragon's cave for you? This distress is worth <laughs> recounting. Clear-eyed, patch-robed monks, should not take it lightly. And we don't get to say, oh, I'm not a monk, <laughs> so I, I don't have to worry about this. Worry about it. No, don't really worry. Do it. Go down into that blue dragon's cave. There's a part of it, what kind of people were the ancient emperors? And apparently that's a quote from an older poem. called The Behavior of Barons. Clothes in brocade and fine embroidery with falcons on their wrists. They go about at leisure, their manners scornful. They know nothing of the difficulties of sowing and harvesting. What kind of people were the ancient emperors? They knew nothing of the difficulties of daily life. In a way, we have a, a, an image about called the six realms, and the first realm is the um, heavenly or bliss realm. And so maybe this is kind of a description of that. And they, their, their lives are so easy that they don't practice. They just bliss out with their falcons, I guess. <laughs> they were not the kind of people that knew about hardship. <laughs> they were probably, if they, if they managed to get away soon enough, maybe they're on their yachts. But for 20 years, I have suffered bitterly. How many times I have gone down into the blue dragon's cave for you? This distress is worth recounting. It's hard practicing with, with difficulties is hard. I think ignoring them is even harder particularly once you start practicing and you start paying attention to your body and your mind and your heart. It's hard to turn away. And you notice when you've turned away and if you still don't turn back, you notice when your denial comes and bites you or somebody else in the butt. You lash out at somebody or do something destructive to yourself, like smoking too much dope or eating too much or drinking too much or sleeping a lot, whatever. I think we have to go down to the Blue Dragon's Cave for you. You uh, is one of those wonderful, ambiguous words. You enlightenment, you liberation, you finding a way 
to be useful. For you, for all beings, don't forget to include yourself, all beings, all of those things. How many times? And it is, it is hard sometimes. I've told this before, but when my sister died, uh, gee, I think it's three years ago now, a little more than three years ago. And for the first year, um, I found it hard to grieve for her. I wanted to do a, a uh, wonderful practice when somebody's died and you haven't really been able to have closure or, or say goodbye. She had Alzheimer's, so there was an in-denial kind of Alzheimer's. There was no talking about it. So I was going to do this practice, which is for 49 days, you put the person's picture on your altar and you talk to them every day. And, um, and then at the end, you do whatever ceremony you like and take it off your altar. Well, I couldn't do it. And I knew I couldn't do it. And so I practiced with that, not pushing myself, insisting that I do it, but of being aware that I wasn't doing it and being aware that there was a raw spot that I couldn't, I couldn't touch. And so I just practiced, simply practiced with that, with being kind to myself in the process and being aware that this is something I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it. And then at the end of the year, she died in January. And then in December, I sat part of um, the, what's called the Rohatsu Buddha's Enlightenment Sashin at the Berkeley Zen Center. And finally, the dam broke. And I was after, after that Sashin, I was able to do that practice, which was very useful. And it wasn't all la-la. I mean, our, our relationship as sibling relationships often are, our relationship was complicated. But I needed to do that. I knew I needed that whole year. I needed to do it, and I knew it. But I had to practice patience, because I wasn't ready to go down into the Blue Dragon's Cave. And that's, that's how it is, I think, for a lot of us about what's going on in this country now and in Ukraine particularly. Some people can't watch the news. Some people can't stop watching the news. One feels helpless. I think it is really important to see, as Suzuki Roshi so famously said, as Mel really liked to quote him, to see things as it is. Well, things as it is includes all the horror of Ukraine and the amazingness of Ukraine. and the other list of hard things that I mentioned. And you have your own list. We all do. And when we ignore it, we, I think we pay for it. I, one of my, uh, stories about it for myself as I was cooking for guests at Tassajara in the summer of 91. And I made a uh, Mexican dinner. And the, the main thing, it's like layered enchiladas, just figured a lot easier than rolling them all. And it's, it actually is a real Mexican dish and it's called budin azteca. So that's like Aztec pudding. And I learned it during that 
practice period right before the summer from a man who was from Mexico and he really wanted to make some something for the Sangha for the for the um, day off dinner. And the Tenzo said he could if I if I could help him. Because, you know, cooking for four people or six people or something is really different from cooking for 50 people. So you have to, I was on the kitchen crew, so I knew, had some idea how to do that. So we did it and we spent a day and we, one of the things, it's a way to use up stale tortillas. So we didn't have stale tortillas. So we had, we opened all these packages of tortillas and then we had them just spread out all over the kitchen at the at Tassajara, which is a big commercial kitchen, kind of a kitchen. And and you make a sauce with uh, green tomatillos and so on. And we, we um, I don't know, I think we stir fried a bunch of tofu and seasoned it like Mexican sausage or something. Anyway, we had a good time. And after that practice period, I found out that he had AIDS and the, the leaders had known that, but I didn't. And I, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't that that upset me. It made me sad. And he had gone back to city center. He didn't stay for the summer. And then I heard that he had died. And then I decided to make that casserole. And I had a terrible time. You start at one o'clock in the afternoon and dinner is at, for the guests is at seven. And it felt like slogging through mud. And it, everything was really hard, just hard. And I felt it, I was aware of it. But it wasn't until I don't know, a week later or something, I realized that of course I felt really sad, you know, to remind, it reminded me of him and what a wonderful time we had and, and how much I liked him. And he died. And of AIDS and all that meant about, you know, that they didn't have, this was in 91, you know, there wasn't a vaccine or, or much of treatment at that point. Anyway, later I was, oh, you know, if I had just gone to some kind of private place and just cried for five or ten minutes, it would have shifted the whole thing. And it would have made, much, made it much easier, but I was in denial about it. And I wasn't dealing with it. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I think, I mean, last night, you know, getting ready for this, and I was reading, I looked up the the right title for for uh, Billy Collins' poem, and um, anyway, I've been reading other kinds. There's a poem about Baba Yar, and which is a, a place in Ukraine where the Germans massacred. Uh, lot of Jews and then just buried him in a big mass grave. And there's a famous poem about it. So I was really focusing on this. So last night, I just realized that, that my heart hurt. And you know, you can feel like you can feel it when you need to cry, and you may or may not do it. And when you don't do it, often it'll come and bite you, you won't be able to sleep or You'll do something stupid. Anyway, I just I just completely broke down, and and uh, that made it easier. So you, one, you know, does that or not? But our practice is to keep looking and keep paying attention. Right? Sit down, get quiet, pay attention. Then you find out. Then you find out. Pay attention to your body. Your body will tell you. And if you don't deal with it and you're paying attention, your body will tell you. That you need to go down into the Blue Dragon's Cave. 
I, you know, in, in, in Chinese imagery, a dragon represents wisdom and is often the keeper of the wisdom, the, the, the pearl of wisdom. And this distress is worth recounting. We need to encourage each other. We need to remind each other of what happens when we don't deal with things. And I mean, I'm not saying you should do a particular thing about Ukraine and what the hell are you going to do? I mean, I'm going to give some money to Doctors Without Borders. I heard a woman last night on a podcast that I listened to from Los Angeles. It's called Good Food. And she is Ukrainian. She lives in New York and she uh, decorates eggs and they're Ukrainian. They're the, I, I didn't, I mean, I guess I always thought of them as Russian, but maybe there's not. In ancient times, there wouldn't be so much difference. But at any rate, they're the kind that are just beautifully painted with, with um, complex designs. So it's actually a, a, a batik process, which I don't exactly understand. But anyway, it's, it's wax, and then you mark it, and then you dye it. Um, and they're beautiful. I looked at her website. But she said there's, a, there's a, an ancient story that as long there's this there's this monster that's uh, chained up, I guess in the netherworld or something, and and um, as long as people are making those eggs, the chains will get tighter and stay tight. But if people stop making them, the chains start to loosen and loosen, and eventually this monster will get loose and take over the world. So maybe we all need to <laughs> die some eggs. I don't know if I don't know if dying eggs counts. Um, at, at any rate, um, you could do that. You could make some eggs. It isn't. It isn't that anybody should do any particular thing. It's that you should be. Pardon me. I just said you should, and I mean it. You should be aware of what you're doing or not doing. You should be aware of how it impacts you. You should include this pain and difficulty. Clear-eyed Zen students should not take it lightly. Should not take it lightly. And I keep being—I'm thinking about this notion of, you know, what what is equanimity? I think equanimity has to include that willingness to go down into that cave and listen to listen to what your body has to tell you and sit still for it to the extent you can and say take a kindly friendly interest not a beating yourself up torturing yourself interest i mean that just adds to it adds to the suffering and probably turns you into somebody who beats people up. You know, it, it isn't a useful response. And I do, I want to know, and I want to find some equanimity, but not, not a, an, I call it an idiot equanimity. And I, I am reminded uh, years ago in uh, Baika's Shuso ceremony at the Berkeley Zen Center. I don't remember exactly. Somebody asked her, what, what's equanimity, something like that, or how do you find equanimity? I'm not sure. And, uh, and her response was, was great. It was classic. So what's equanimity or how do you find equanimity? And she went, I <laughs> 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 yes. 
So it has to include that. Our lives have to include that. I don't know how you go into the green dragons or the blue dragons cave, you know, without, well, it depends. It's not always the case. But often you need to do that part. You need to freak out. You may need to have uh, a temper tantrum, which I was taught by uh, Yvonne Rand, who was a um, well-known Zen teacher many years ago. So this is a certified Zen master <laughs> pro uh, practice, which is that you, um, I'm not going to, I'm too hemmed in here, but you, if, if there's something that you feel like you're blocked about and that you're not able to deal with, I mean, one time she talked about it, she was working on a, on a book and to, you know, to get herself to actually do it was hard. And it would, we, then we, she and I did it together for a, a, a conference of uh, Zen teachers. So it was like a skit night where people do things. So, so uh, I suggested, well, let's do that. And for her, it was the book. And for me, it was starting this Zen center at that time. And so we, uh, we told everybody to stand up. They had no idea it was coming. I, I guess we told them what we we're going to do, but they didn't. You know, you can't imagine it until you see it. And we told them, you know, think about something that feels like a hindrance to you right now. And, uh, and, and, then, and then we said, now just stomp around and do whatever. And we, we showed them, and, and then we did it, you know. And, and so we both were standing up, and we're just going, no, 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 blah, 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 you know, whatever. And... Uh, I hate that book or I hate whatever, I can't do it and you can't make me just, and all these people are doing it and it turned out they loved it. But one thing I wanna say, and I think this is, a, this is what we need to work with and this is, our, this is our practice, remembering that we're just another um, hetero monk trying to be clear-eyed there was, we were, we were uh, at a, um, actually at Mount Baldy Zen Center, and so we, were, we were in cabins, you know, with four people to a cabin or something. And the, one of the women in my cabin was a uh, Tibetan Lama. And we were packing to go the next day, and she and I were alone in there, and she said, that was great, wow. I didn't know anybody else felt like that. And my heart just ached to think of it. That she apparently has some idea that she's supposed to be equanimity all the time. Well, no, Does, wouldn't it be pretty to think so? It doesn't work like that. At least for most of us. And when, when it looks like it's working like that, you know, I tend to wonder if somebody's a little um, too far into emptiness and all oneness and forgetting that we're not quite Buddha yet. And we're not barons with the what is it, falcons on our wrists. We need to go down into the blue dragon's cave and deal with what's difficult. And we support each other to do it. That's, no, if we're all sitting together and I'm feeling really fidgety, if you're not and you're sitting beside me, it really helps me to settle down. And sometimes I'm not feeling fidgety and you are, and I help you to settle down. And some of it's plain old social pressure, but it also matters. When you come into a place where people have been sitting zazen, you can feel it, you can feel it.
So sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha, what kind of people were the ancient emperors? For 20 years, I have suffered bitterly. How many times I have gone down into the blue dragon's cave for you? This distress is worth recounting. Clear-eyed patch-robe monks should not take it lightly. And I want to I'll open this for questions or comments, but I want to just come back and remind you, spring has sprung. The grass is riz. The, the line is, uh, that my dad used to say is, I wonder where the flowers is. <laughs> but our flowers are here. But it's definitely spring. I mean, we don't have seasons the way they do in a lot of places. But this is the time of year when everything turns green. Don't forget. Have a picnic sometimes. Enjoy your zazen. This is the time I wrote something last night that the uh, um, and end with reminder, things as it is includes <laughs> spring, renewal, and asparagus. It, it, maybe you don't know, a lot of people around here don't know, asparagus is a springtime vegetable. When you get asparagus in uh, August, it came probably from South America or something. So uh, just, just so you know. So please take care of yourselves. Please take care of yourselves. And go down into that cave, that cave of sitting still with the hard things. Gently, but go. Not and go, but no, no but, but and go. But go gently. And if you're not ready, be kind to yourself. <laughs> the dragon will be there waiting for you anyway. I'm sorry to say. But don't forget the kindness. So, thank you. So are there any um, questions or comments? There, there are some people here also that you, folks can't see. Thank you, Mary, for your, your wonderful talk. I see a question from Naomi and Luminous Heart. Naomi, can you do your video? Go ahead and ask your question. I have a very close friend who, who lost her sister a week ago. And she had herself been too ill to visit her sister during her uh, the last year of her life, which was very, very difficult. And I was, my friend is a lay Carmelite, a very religious Catholic. And I, I was encouraging her to cry. And she said, oh, Naomi, she said, tears are sacred. And I've thought about that all week long. <laughs> it's helped me through this terrible week. So <laughs> I just wanted to share that because I kept thinking about it as Mary was speaking. Mm -hmm. Tears are indeed sacred. Yeah, I think that's true. That's all. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Naomi. Uh, Luminous Heart, please go ahead. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for your talk and all and the wisdoms there and I just two things rose up especially out of many that you shared the end of the that poem and I haven't heard anybody else ever say it but you spring is from the grasses riz I wonder where the flowers is oh look there goes a boyd upon the wing now ain't that absurd I always thought the wing was on the boyd <laughs> I didn't know that. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, and the other 
piece that rose up for me is this um, the dragon image of going down into the blue dragon's cave and being willing to face in on the one hand and also this other component of dragonness that they protect the gold that they fly they swim and they play so it's a it's a wonderful for me a holding image i wonder how that may land for you i think that's wonderful and what you remind me of now is, is this isn't dragons it's, I, I think of a dolphin so it's in the gakudoyo jinshu i think it is there's a phrase disporting freely in the dharma so that's that could be that your dragons too and yes. I, I just i've always thought of it like you know how dolphins are like this yes. they're they're disporting freely but your dragons disporting freely yeah thank you thank you steve hi can you all hear me I was just reading um, something last night that uh, resonates with what um, it resonated with me last night, and then what you said resonates even more. That um, that when um, that we could we can see um, that in general, our life seems so tragic and meaningless, especially with um, what's happening in Ukraine right now. But really, at any time, life can seem that way. Um, and actually, if we take it to our own ordinary actions, the, the way to find, to, to bring meaning to our lives is to bring kindness to people. It, it's there. It's not in the big picture, the, the, the news that brings us down. It's in doing what we can. And maybe that is making eggs. Um, or maybe that's giving someone a hug who needs it. Um, but I've, I found that super inspiring and not a Dharma talk. I just wanted to add that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just don't forget to include yourself. You know, when you yeah. say, I, I mean, I know you do, but when you say everyone, it's so easy for us to, everyone is all those people. I want to be really kind to those people. Mm -hmm. This one too. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we have a question from Susan. Please go ahead, Susan. Hello. There we go. Hi, Mary. Hi, Susan. Thank you. Um, you know, a long time ago, Fran Tribe taught some of us or talked to some of us a lot about using the breath or working with the breath or becoming aware of the breath, especially when... Um, I guess what you're saying, going down deep into that cave. And Sojin talked a lot about the breath. And I just wonder if you have something to say about the breath or if that's something that you um, think about or work about, work with in what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes and yes and yes. Um, Sojin told me years ago that a good Zen student always knows where her breath is. And I've been practicing with that ever since. I don't always know. But my breath tells me a lot. You know, if, if, if I am aware of it, you know, that my, if my breath is up in my chest, it kind of tells me that I'm anxious or there's something. You know, I'm not relaxed. And then if it's in my belly, I can feel it. But also I can feel it. Like right now, um, I'm very touched by your question. And I'm, and I'm raw about Ukraine and so on. And so right now, to take a deep breath that feels like it fills my belly, it feels like... Um, that it's raw there, so I can't I can't extend my belly too much because I'd I I would hit like a knife edge or I'd hit something that would really hurt. And it's a good I mean I'm I'm 
I'm happy that I'm touched this way. And it's, it's painful. And I think the breath is a, is, is a major way of learning how to be in touch with your body. Because there's so much information in your body. You know, if, if when I was making that Mexican dinner, if I had just stopped and paid some attention to my body, like what, you know, what is this? that I feel like I'm moving through molasses and my heart is so heavy, you know, I, I might have realized just how sad I was, you know, because I was thinking about him, but I wasn't feeling about him. But of course I was feeling about him, but I wasn't willing to turn towards it and go down into it. So, I think that it's, it's super important. And I, I don't want to go to a whole other Dharma talk. We, we studied Zen mind, beginner's mind in our last practice period. And, and one of the, we, we just stayed with the practice section, the first section. And the, the one, the, there were a number of people that gave classes. And I think that's right, that the one that we, we kind of didn't get to until the end. And we, we were, I think, kind of avoiding it. I'm not sure, but anyway, it was breathing. And then we, I just took the old notes out of this book and put the new, and the old book, the old notes were about breathing. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a big deal. Or as, as, as our vice, then vice president said to our then president, it's a big fucking deal. <laughs> that's, I don't know, that's what Biden said to Obama when he signed Obamacare and he didn't know it. He didn't know the mic was on. <laughs> yes, so yes, and thank you for asking. Thank you for your answer. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Susan. You can feel free to ask a question. There isn't a stupid question. Okay, so you don't have to, but. Thank you. I'm surprised. This isn't like Berkeley Zen Center. I don't know if I. Well, yeah, including me, I have a question. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> talking about the feeling behind the feeling. When you were breathing in, I felt you talking about breathing in and trying to breathe through or along to the Ukraine situation and other things. What's the feeling behind the feeling? Uh, when the Buddha talks about get to the feeling behind the feeling, what would yeah. you say? Yeah, that's the, the four foundations of mindfulness. It's a, one of the most basic teachings. Um, and also the body and the body. Um, I think it's go down in, I mean, I don't know exactly what he meant, but for me, it means go down into the blue dragon's cave. In other words, I notice that I, I do, you know, I do pay a lot of attention to my body. It's like there's part of my attention is virtually always on my body and my breath. But uh, I just, you know, I feel a lot of things in my gut. So, you know, right now it feels sort of like turmoily a little. But anyway, so you, you, you have the physical sensation and then you put your attention on it and maybe you breathe into it and ask yourself, what is this? But you cannot demand an answer and you may or may not get an answer. But a lot of times you do. You know, a lot of times it's really obvious. I mean, I, there I was making this dinner, remembering my friend who died. Duh. <laughs> you know, but I just didn't stop and, and honor it. Honor, you know, I had the feeling, but I didn't honor it and I didn't turn towards it. And so I, uh, I suffered as, you know, we say like, you know, suffering is optional and extra. So, you know, we do that. That's why they call it the dragon. I guess we should be a little bit uh, cautious approaching. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we should be anyway. I mean, you know, if you're paying attention, you know, if you know, and and you your psyche knows if it's too much and tends not to let it up. You know, years ago, 
Uh, I used to go have breakfast with Maley on Monday mornings. And uh, one time on the way back to, from uh, what's now Sconehenge, uh, she said to me that she thought it was time for me to take on the practice of uh, being with my demons. And I thought, oh my God. And so, so what I did though was I, I, I uh, when I sat down for Zazen, I said to myself or to them, you know, I said, I said, to the extent I can stand it, please come up. Just sort of protect myself a little. And then now I just say, please come up when there's something I feel like I need to kind of actively stir the pot about. But yeah, you have, your, and you know, and I think your psyche knows, but you know, sometimes you have to protect yourself a little. Or I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't practice about my sister. You know, I thought about her, I grieved, I cried, I talked about her, but I couldn't really face it for about a year. So, all right. Thank you so much. Uh, we have uh, two more questions. Uh, I think that might be it. Go ahead, Ross, please. Sure. Hey again, Mary. Hi. Um, your comment that uh, Sojin wasn't okay uh, with dying caught my attention. And I don't know what he was thinking, but I my experience of him during that process was he expressed himself with a fair amount of calm and equanimity. But again, yeah. I don't know what he was thinking about. And your description of that wavy uh, description of hand with Zazen and practice seems to feel fitting for feeling okay or maybe not okay. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, your demonstration of that earlier and how you view uh, being okay with not being okay or something like that. Yeah, well, I, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think I also said, I thought he handled it really well, and, and um, but just you know, all things considered, he would have rather been living, you know, and that's why he tried that really hard, hardline chemo, you know, and then he gave it up. Mm -hmm. But he tried it, you know, and, and he didn't try it because he was ready to go. But um, I and I just think and and he. I don't want to talk about it, um, you know, to things that we talked, he and I talked about it exactly, but, um, you know, I think that he was, he did have a lot of equanimity about it, you know, so, but it wasn't like, you know, exactly. uh, yeah. and, and, but, it, you know, and it wasn't like this either, you know, it was like this, you know, I, one of my favorite images is I say that, you know, um, in my practice, I try, I try not to lurch, you know, but a little wobbling, you know, I mean, I'm human, so I wobble. And, um, and that's, that's what our, you know, we're trying not to lurch so that we don't do real harm to ourselves or others. Thanks, Mary. Thank you, Russ. Uh, Sue, would you please go with your question? Thank you very much. Can you hear me from my cushion? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, getting up in the midst of uh, my awkwardness would be just too humiliating, but thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I can't lower my hand myself. Um, I have a question about generosity. When you spoke about making a donation, you know, I, I, real, I judge myself as feeling ungenerous. And I, given your advice, I tried to look into the dragon cave, I guess, or face into it. I want, I don't know where my generosity went. I'm feeling ungenerous. And that bothers me. I don't have a, I, I don't have a natural expression right now to meet this situation that we're in or all the situations we're in. It seems like I don't want to make a gesture, but I don't know what to do. Can you say something about that? Yes. Um, I, I, uh, I, 
a million things, and, and I'm happy to talk to you about it privately, too. I mean, for one thing, you know, I'm 78. I'm, I'm definitely an old person. And I think you're in the neighborhood. And a part of me feels like, you know, I'm done. I've walked lots of precincts. I've read many letters. I've telephoned people. I've poll watched da, 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 all my life. And I've done this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just done. And, and I don't have the energy to do a lot. And, and then something happens and then I find a little energy to do something. But uh, you are a generous person, one, because I know you. And if right now you don't feel generous, you don't feel compelled to act in any particular way, then just be with that and ask yourself, what is this? And that's the dragon right now, or that's the cave. And it's just about being willing to listen to what your heart and your gut say. And it may be that there isn't really anything for you to do. I mean, there, there's, you know, none of us is going to Ukraine and picking up a Kalishnikov or whatever. And uh, it seems like it's being acted out on a world stage that's beyond me or us. Anyway, I, it's not like you should do anything. And the, the one thing you should not do is, is blame yourself and criticize yourself. So I take a kindly, friendly interest because it's just, I started to say it's useless, I don't know, but it's not useful to beat yourself up. It's not useful to be unkind to yourself. And uh, you do plenty of things. You do a lot of, you do a lot of uh, political work and you're very generous with your time. But my telling you that it doesn't go that far. You've got to be aware of it. But at any rate, when you notice yourself judging yourself and criticizing yourself, see if you can stop, notice where your breath is and, and breathe into it, give it some breath. And don't, don't, do not say to yourself, I'm telling, I'm doing a lot of shoulds today. <laughs> do not say to yourself, I should not feel this way. I mean, say it if it makes you happy, but that doesn't get it. What you need to do is notice what it feels like inside when you're doing that to yourself and it feels yucky. So just feel it and give it some breath and notice how it changes. Because as you know, things do. So please, please take Good care of yourself. Thank you. And you as well. And I'm going to get up after this and stomp around. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Any more comments, Mary? No. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so if you would uh, lead us all in the closing chant, everyone, please follow along. Uh, the chat contains the chant. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Muda's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Muda's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. 
delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.